Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So friends, I am so excited about today's episode. Our guest for today's episode is Allie Worthington. Allie is an incredible author, speaker, and podcaster, and she actually has a brand new book out right now called Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence. Allie's known for her straight-talking encouragement and practical tools that help women reach their dreams in business and in life. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to find your calling and how to live with confidence. Yes, and amen to both of those things. In this episode, Allie teaches us how to draw strength from our God-given identities so we can overcome the obstacles that keep us from reaching our full potential and living out our dreams. And she's going to teach us how to walk confidently in the direction of our calling and also how to figure out what that calling might be. Allie is so wise and I cannot wait for you to get to hear from her. But before we dive in, I wanted to make sure that you guys have heard about my brand new prayer journal. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. I love this journal because it's a powerful, practical way for us to connect with God in times when our future feels really uncertain. Through guided prayer prompts, The Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step in the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To pick up a copy of your own, all you have to do is head to smaywilsonshop.com, and that link will be in our show notes as well. Okay, friends, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Allie. Guys, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Allie Worthington, who is just someone I've admired for a really long time, and I'm so glad to get to connect with her in real life today. Allie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This The joy of a great podcast is you get to meet people that you've always wanted to be friends with, right? Exactly. Yes. You're like, okay, finally, this is happening. I know we live in the same town. It's just crazy. This is overdue. Well, so Allie, for the women who aren't familiar with you, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Absolutely. I live just right outside of Nashville. My husband and I do with our five sons. I feel like five sons is is my big claim to fame in life these days because people always wonder how I survive. Seriously, so that's like a there. basketball team, right? It, it it really is. Our grocery bills are astronomical. That's I all I can say. Cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a golden retriever who refuses to retrieve. I am an author and a speaker and a podcaster and a business coach. And I also have a company with a co-founder called Called Creatives, where we train women to write and speak. So I have a lot of interest, do a lot of things and really enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a classic Enneagram seven. We'll put it that way. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So what's your fun fact? I'm pretty excited about this. When I was in college, I was a zookeeper. You were not. I was. So back in the day when zoos, I guess, weren't as strict as they are now, you could volunteer. And, you know, if you go to a zoo, there's always somebody saying, here's a fun fact about the animal. Well, not me. That's not what I want to do. I want to go work with the animals. So I worked with giraffes mostly because those are my favorite. I worked with penguins and polar bears. This was at the Knoxville Zoo in Knoxville, Tennessee, and had the best time. 
And my plan was to become a zookeeper in life until I realized you had to have a science degree to really do it. And I had known myself for a long time and knew a science degree was out of the equation. And obviously, God had other plans for me because my my own abilities kept me out of being a zookeeper. But I still have a scar on my right calf from a mama penguin thinking I was coming after her eggs. Oh, my gosh. Allie. Okay. So this is so random. But in the last... Mm, like six months or so, mm-hmm. I've finally hopped on the like animal planet train and yes. particularly like at night, you know, our world is crazy. There's so much going on. There's so much input. Like I need some really happy, calm things to just like start settling <laughs> down at the end of the day. So I've gotten so into the zoo where they follow everyone at the Bronx Zoo. And like, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a, a kind of a honorary zookeeper because I'm so like, into that show. So so I feel very starstruck right now for the fact I mean, that you've actually worked with these animals. Basically, we're both zookeepers right now. That's what that means. That's exactly what that means. Okay. Well, so now that we're both zookeepers, uh, <laughs> really, I mean, we don't even need to talk about calling anymore. You guys, if you want to be a zookeeper, you can be as of right now. We say so. hundred <laughs> percent. Don't even worry if you're good at science or not. It doesn't matter. I would be in the same boat as you though. I like truly, there are things that I, that I'm like, I could, I could do that in the world. But if there is like a, a more than basic math or science class in between mm-hmm. me and that goal, that's not, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world is our oyster, but sometimes we still need to know where our gifts are. Yeah. 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 And if it's, if, if the barrier is math or science, then, mm-hmm. th- then that part is not my oyster. It's someone else's oyster. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So you recently, um, well, I think as, as this is coming out, it's going to be coming out in like a week or so. So you have a new yeah. book coming out, um, called standing strong, a woman's guide to overcoming adversity and living with confidence. And Ali, you know, as, as an author myself, I know that we usually can't get away with writing books that we haven't lived through first. <laughs> um, unfortunately, unfortunately, right? I know. Every time I go through something big in my life that's really tough or painful, I go, oh, is this is just going to be a book one day. Can't, can't I just write a happy book? Sometime? Seriously, I know. <laughs> so tell us like what happened? How did, how did this book come about for you? What made you want to write it? And like kind of how does this topic intersect with your own story? It is a wild story. So I have this crazy history with God of him kind of taking me out of different things that I'm doing professionally. I used to run a large events company in 2012. He told me to shut it down, just walk away, give it to my partners, go. I didn't know what else I was going to do. And finally obeyed him. It took me, it took me a year. You know, I was slow obedience, but I finally got around and I met Christine Kane. She's an evangelist. And she, out of the blue, came up to me at a restaurant and said, I hear you're who I'm supposed to work with to build what I want to build next. And <laughs> me being a business consultant at that point, that's what I was doing after I shut down my business. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> well, she ended up hiring me to build this ministry of hers called Propel Women. So I, it was a dream job. And to me, I was like, oh, I get it. I was in the business world before. Now I'm in the ministry. Like this is more important than what I was doing in the business world. I have, I have hit my calling. I found it. We're good. And then out of the blue, the Lord tells me very clearly, and he doesn't talk to me every day, but when he wants me to know something, he will, he will be clear with me. Mm-hmm. He said, leap. It wasn't audible. I felt it inside myself. And you know how sometimes you just know that you know that you know 
that that's him and you know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was time for me to leave my job. And I thought, well, did I do something wrong? You know, I, I went from the business world to the ministry. Have I blown it? Am, am, I, am I not good enough to do this? I don't understand. And again, took me a year to obey, got very sick in the meantime, and finally left and found the courage to leave and rebuild my business and do all the things that I was doing before and more. But something happened in there. When he told me to go, I told myself a lot of lies and I, I think adversity that was going on in my life and and more importantly than just the adversity, self-doubt that was going on inside of me threatened to take me out. And I didn't think about this for a book at all because these are vulnerable stories to tell in a book. You know, as an author, there's some stuff you want to tell and there's some stuff you don't want to tell. Yes. And for each of my books, I always pray and I go, Lord, what's the next book about? And, you know, sometimes it's busyness or it's fear. Well, I prayed about it and he brought up a phrase to my mind that my mom used to pray over me every night. And the phrase is great woman of God. And I thought, well, that's dumb. That couldn't have been from the Lord. And my mom used to pray over me every night and to say that she hoped I would grow to be a great woman of God, strong in my faith and fearless as I face the future. And I'd forgotten about it. A few months later, I went back and go, hey, Lord, it's time for me to write a book again. What's this one going to be about? Like we had never had a discussion. And he said, I already told you. And... I spent about six months just kind of staring out the window going, what does this actually mean? What do you want me to say? How does what I've just lived through intersect with this message that you want me to tell? And I I spent six months wrestling with it. And Standing Strong is really a love letter to women who I believe that God is calling to stand up and show up and walk into the future that He has for us. It is not about striving or personal achievement or building ourselves up. It's about yielding to God and getting out of our own way. Standing strong is about growing strong in Him. And I think for so many Christian women especially, we are afraid of the nudges that He puts in our hearts. We're afraid of the ideas. We're afraid of that call to more. And we cover it with kind of a a culturally sanctioned false humility. Mm. And I think that there are a lot of messages in our culture right now, the you go girl culture, it's all up to you. You do it on your own. You're amazing. That is a positive message when it is filtered through the lens of the Lord, because our strength comes from Him. Does God want women to do great things in this world? Yes. Those great things could be you know, adopting a child or getting healthy and breaking unhealthy patterns that have you know come down in the generations through family. It can be working your way through college. That, that's doing important work. But the message of you go, girl, it's all up to you, I think is very damaging to women inherently because the world is our oyster when we're living with the Lord. But the key is we have to get out of our own way, find our own blind spots and learn to move forward. So my story is kind of overlaid over who we are as women where we get stuck in life, and how we move forward with strength. That's how it all came together. its ne- I've never had a more difficult time figuring out what in the world God wanted me to say, but boy, it came together nice. Oh, man. I There's so many pieces of this that I can totally relate to. There have been several times in my life where God has like sent me, you know, in a totally different direction than I had planned for myself. And, um, it's really scary. And, and I think the thing Uh about it is like, you think that if God tells you something really specifically that maybe some like, like a warm blanket and some like real, 
peace is going to come with it. And like a peace comes with it, but at least for me, peace doesn't feel like a warm blanket. Usually Mm -mm. it feels like, like you're, you've leapt off a cliff and someone has told you that there's going to be a parachute, but you can't totally feel the parachute or something like that. You know, it's like really scary. And, and there's a lot of grief that comes when you, when you let go of something, but I, I like, I'm for me too. Every time I've done that, God has totally had something better in mind. Like, I, I mean, he really is trustworthy, which seems silly to say, but also, I don't know. I feel like we need that reminder. Oh, a hundred percent. There is a section in every book I've written about me learning to trust God all over again, because there is something inside of me. I don't know if anybody else has ever felt it where I go, I have this long history with God. He's never let me down. He always shows up for me. Sure, I've been through some stuff, but he, you know, he uses it for my good and his glory. But every time I start going through stuff again, I go, oh, this may be the time he wants me to suffer. He may not show up, but every time he does, I mean, it's, I'll probably still struggle with this in some way or another, if I'm being honest, until I go to heaven. Yep. A hundred percent. Me too. So when we're talking about what we're supposed to do in life, whether mm-hmm. that's our calling or whether that's sort of next steps. I think that I, I know that for all of us, this can be really paralyzing. And I think okay. sometimes it's like, I'm not good enough to do this thing that's on my heart. Um, sometimes it's like, I'm scared of, of what the thing is, but something that I hear a lot is women wanting like like being afraid to do something unless they are positive that it's exactly what God's told them to do. And I know that for me, while sometimes God has specifically told me to do things, there are other times where I kind of feel like he's left it up to me. And if I was waiting for him to say like, to be like my GPS, like turn left, turn right or whatever, I wouldn't have moved anywhere. And so can you talk to us? Like, how do we know what we're supposed to be pursuing? Like what our calling is especially if we don't feel like God has very specifically told us something. Yes. Okay. This is so fun. I have so much to say. If I go off on a tangent, pull me back in because there's a lot in that question. It was a great question. It was pretty loaded. I got you. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So this, I'm like, oh, this is my thing. Okay, here we go. So here's the way I think of it. Our purpose in this life is simple. Our purpose in this life, we are born, we get older, we decide, do we follow God or not? If we decide that we're followers of Jesus, then our purpose is to tell people about him. That's it. That is the whole reason we exist. That's it. But calling is something completely different. And our calling looks different in every season of our life. So my calling when I was in college was to study, to to develop healthy habits, to you know grow into adulthood, to be a zookeeper. <laughs> my calling after college, I got married and I had kids and I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Now... In 2008, I was a stay-at-home mom. We had just had our fifth son, and my husband had lost his job the year before. The economy was going into recession. We ended up losing our home, filing bankruptcy because our home went into foreclosure, spending a summer homeless, lost all of our possessions except what fit into two pods units. And we spent the summer with him applying for new jobs and me Googling at a McDonald's Playland where my kids were playing on an old janky PC, how do you build a business on the internet? Allie, oh my gosh. Crazy, right? Yes. My calling starting in 2008 was to build a business to make sure that I could help take care of our family. 
completely different than my calling the year before. So right. when we sit around and go, what's my calling? Well, we got to go, well, what, what season am I in? Now my calling, you know, down 12 years down the road from that, now my calling is to build up other women, to make sure other women have every resource available. I believe that with God and Google, we are unstoppable. Yes, and I want to give women in this season of my life all of the tools that I've used through the years. That's my calling. So um, do I feel worthy of this calling now? No. Do I feel perfectly prepared? No. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Give me a day. I'm going to embarrass myself two or three times. That's because <laughs> I'm human. And the difference between men and women in these situations, research has shown if there's a job opening and it says you have to have these 10 skills to be able to apply and get this job. A dude is going to have two of those skills and be like, oh, they're going to love me. Here's my resume. <laughs> women can have eight of the 10 and go, oh, I need to wait till I have the other two. There is something inside women, and I believe it's just how we're raised. It's not It's not in our DNA. There's something inside women cult that is culturally put on them to try to make sure everything's perfect so we don't fail. But I believe what God is doing in this season, oh, I believe it with every bone inside of me, I believe that God is calling for a generation of women to say yes and amen to Him, to those little nudges that He puts in our hearts, the this dream, the dreams that we have inside of ourselves that we don't even tell people that we dream because we feel like it makes us look proud or foolish or crazy. I mean, I remember I moved to Memphis years ago as a young mom and I met another woman at a Chick-fil-A Playland. This is 2000 when the internet was like dial up AOL and the only internet was Yahoo Shopping. Yep. And I remember in that Chick-fil-A Playland, I said to her, I think that one day I'm going to help people on the internet. Well, there was no real internet to speak of other than Yahoo Shopping and some news. And she looked at me like I had three heads, but she she was like, okay, that sounds great. I didn't know in the year 2000 what the internet was going to turn into and that I could build a big company to help women through the years. I had no idea. My, exp my only experience in life is being a zookeeper at that point. But I, there was some spark inside of me that seemed crazy. I wasn't built for it. I didn't have any influence. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any skills. I sure as heck didn't have anybody saying to me, you know what, you're the girl who's going to be super successful and help people one day. Not at all. But I had some spark that God gave me long ago. And I think that God wants women to kind of recognize that spark and not assume any nudge or desire or spark that we have in our hearts isn't from Him. Because I guarantee everybody listening right now is going, oh, this dream that I have in my heart, I don't know if it's of God. Well, here's the thing. We're not women who are sitting around dreaming of robbing banks. We're dreaming of doing great stuff in the world. Why do we always assume it's not of Him? That's kind of what I'm obsessed with in this season is going, our work, our dreams, the things we're doing, it is our job right now to partner with God and to bring God's purposes to this earth through what we do. I mean, I've crossed a million finish lines, but God's never laced up my shoes for me. He said, okay, it's time to get to work and it's time to try things and you're going to fail and you're going to learn along the way, but it's going to be good. So I think, I think I'm obsessed with telling women, just go for it. It's going to be hard. You might fail a few times, but it's going to be good. 
go for that thing that he's planted in your heart, even if it's that thing that you've never even told anyone that you dream of doing. I love that. I love it. The thing that's always been really amazing to me, and I, I've been just in awe of this for like probably a decade now, is talking to different friends and hearing the things that light each of them up and how those things are so drastically different from what lights me up. Like Mm -hmm. I have, you know, friends who, I have a friend who's going back to school right now, um, to get her, to get a master's in hospital administration. She's going like back to to business school. She's getting her MBA. And I don't know anything about hospitals or administration. I am so unqualified for something like that. And I have zero interest, but she has this passion. She has a healthcare background. She has this passion for wanting to make our healthcare system better and help people get really good care. And she has it in her to like actually make some really powerful changes. Wow! And I think when I hear someone talk about something like that, and, and every once in a while, you know, I'll hear someone say, I, mean, I don't really know if this is what God wants for me. I'm like, well, he certainly doesn't want that for me. And I don't want that for me either. And so like, if you, whatever you have, like if you have a passion for animals and the ability to be a zookeeper, that's something that like other people don't have. And, and totally. so it's just amazing that like all of our passions come in so many different colors and shades and our giftings come in so many colors and shades. And so like, if you have a gift for something and you have a passion for something, like that's about all you need. Oh, totally. And the thing is, God, yes, we started out in the Garden of Eden, but it was never meant to just stay a garden. God planned for technology. He planned for buildings. He planned for Amazon two-day prime. He planned for dry shampoo. It wasn't just supposed to stay that way. He gave us the gift of having passions and having gifts and being able to partner with him to bring things to life. For hospital administration, it is kingdom work to go into hospital administration because we need hospitals run well. It is kingdom work to take care of animals because we need someone to take care of the animals. Everything we do is a partnership with him, bringing his purposes to life, and it is holy and it is good because everything has to be done. It's so good. Well, so Allie, in in your book, you talk about Mm -hmm. six common roadblocks that hold us back in life. Can you like talk us through those roadblocks? Like tell us what they are. And um, I I mean, I'd love to hear anything you can tell us about getting past them. Yeah, I, I, what I did for this book, this is kind of the middle section of my book, what holds us back. And I went through my, when I was just planning to write, I went through my season where it was really dark and I couldn't get out of my own way to move forward with what God wanted for me. And I actually consulted a counselor to say, what for you, what are the six things that you see in women that are our big obstacles? Because I I know what it is for me, but what do you see in all these years of, of helping women? Right. And what was amazing is what was holding me back was exactly the type of thing that she told me other women were dealing with too. And for one, it is when we forget our power, when we say it's all up to me and we forget where our power comes from because our power comes from God, wisdom, strength, the power to overcome things, that all comes from Him. But when we're stressed and when we're scared, it really feels like we're all alone in this world. That's a huge one. Another one is when we're afraid to disappoint other people. 
when we're afraid that whatever we're going to do, we are going to let other people down. So we become frozen. We get analysis paralysis. We fall into people pleasing. The third one is feeling alone, feeling like you aren't supported, that the people that you love don't get you, don't understand you, can't give you the support that you need. The fourth one is feeling like you don't have a voice, feeling like no one understands you. And again, you're kind of out there on your own. The next one is telling yourself, I can't do this. It is insecurity and self-doubt, which I think is probably the big one for women right now. Yeah. The next one after that is when you listen to the wrong voices. When people in your life or people in your past have said, you're too thin, you're too fat, you're too dumb, you're too brainy, you're too this, you're too that. And that starts to become your identity. And then the last one, which is so important, is when you believe the lie that you can't trust God, which again is one of those things, like I said, every book, there's going to be an element of that because I'm always going, is this the time you you aren't going to show up? Mm. These are the big issues for women. And again, I mean, I could talk for hours on how we get over each one alone, but I loved the idea of just using phrases that we tell ourselves to kind of pop out as these are our issues there. It's all up to me. I don't want to disappoint people. I feel alone. I don't feel like I have a voice. I can't do this. They said I was, you know, whatever they said. Um, And I don't believe I can trust God. Those are the obstacles where some of them are internal. Some of them are external from culture. But once we can get into them, realize the truth They lose their power over us. They will probably, if I can be honest, they'll probably pop back up. Like I wrote a book on busyness in 2016 and busyness still pops up in my life. I wrote a book on fear. Fear still pops up in my life. These issues will keep popping up to try to hold us back. But what matters is we have really practical tools to go, oh, okay, I'm falling into this pattern again. What am I supposed to do? One, two, three. Okay, go. That is real strengthening for women when we can kind of fill up our toolboxes with practical tools so we know what to do whenever we fall into these old patterns because we're going to keep falling into them. I mean, that's just real life. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. 
But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I like the idea of, of being able to give them a name. Like, I think that that's so, mm-hmm. that's so important. Something I, I found out that I struggle with a couple of years ago is anxiety. Like I clinically struggle with anxiety and I think yeah. I have for a really long time. I just kind of busied my way out of it or just like I had my life so loud. I couldn't really, I couldn't really hear it. 
And there are still times, you know, I've had so much help and healing and medicine and all kinds of things that have helped me so much, but there's still days, like even last night, I had a moment where I could feel myself like getting anxious, not about anything specific, but just, I kind of feel it rising up in me. And the tool that I've, I've been using for the last couple of years is reminding myself that anxiety is part of my life. Like anxiety Mm -hmm. is something I struggle with. So instead of being like, why am I feeling like this? And, And trying to like feeling even more anxious as I try to find the source, just being like, Hey Steph, remember like, you know, anxiety is something that we, that we kind of struggle with, you know, this is, this is part of our life. And so what you're feeling right now is, is anxiety and like, Oh, okay. 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 Like just giving it a name takes so much power out of it. And then with everything that you named, like all those things aren't true. And so when we can identify what it is that we're believing and then match it with the thing that is true, when we're starting to feel that way, we can go, wait, 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 this is me not believing that I can trust God. Mm-hmm. What do I know to be true? This. And I feel like so it's got to be the more we practice, the quicker that turnaround gets, right? Yeah. The more we get our reps in, it's like muscle memory. Yep. And the more, and I actually have like a post-it note in my office for what to do when I'm in an anxiety spiral. I have notes um, to reminding me to remind me to stand strong. I have I have notes in my notes app of of different situations to remind me of God's faithfulness. So I can open up my notes app at any point and and look through stories of how things seemed impossible and God showed up. Mm-hmm. And how I felt like I was on my own or I felt confused or I felt like something was going to be a failure, but I obeyed him anyway. And it turned out exactly as I wanted it to turn out because we are humans. We are fallible. Things get scary. We get freaked out. But once we can stop being surprised that we feel that way, because if we're not, if we forget that we are humans, we're always going to be shocked and super disappointed at our own humanity. We're just living life. And to some degree to have grace for ourselves and be like, well, I'm doing that thing again. But as you said, I'm going to replace that lie with truth. That makes all the difference. That's, I love the idea of having something in your notes app. Like, hey, don't forget next time you feel anxious (laughs) or next time you feel like God's not going to come through, here are five times that he did before. You know, like we just there's just a lot to remember in a day. And you're right. Like we, I mean, all kinds of things happen and, and all kinds of feelings and situations pop up, but to just have a reminder like handy is, I don't know, like that's so simple, but totally profound and game changing. And I'm going to do that. Like the second we hang up, (laughs) I have learned the simplest, the most profound things are the simplest because we want answers to be you know, step by step and page after page after page. And we're going to work so hard and we're going to do all these things when the answer is normally really simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Okay. So you kind of mentioned, or you mentioned one of the things being insecurity. And I, I know that our, our inner critics can be so loud. And so I would love to hear like kind of the role that our inner critic plays in holding us back um, and also anything that you can tell us, like anything practical for for quieting our inner critic. Mm, yes, absolutely. Okay, so here's how I think of the inner critic. I think of the inner critic like a mentally unstable nanny who is always screaming at us not to get hurt, to stay safe. 
And when I started imagining the inner critic that way, it changed it. Because when you always have this inner critic going on in your head, you think your inner critic knows what's going on. You think your inner critic is like, well, I guess that's my highest self. Or sometimes we can get into trouble and we can confuse the inner critic inside of us with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets really dangerous. But I believe that the most dangerous critic that we'll ever have inside of our life is inside of us because she knows you better than anybody else. She knows the perfect thing to say to cut you off at the knees. She doesn't care about being honest. She cares about keeping you safe. I think that the inner critic cares about security and perfectionism and acceptance. And once we start thinking about that, to go, oh, my inner critic just doesn't want me to get hurt. It's not that she thinks I'm terrible. It's that, and I love talking about her like she's a she, like she's a whole other person. It's not that she thinks I'm terrible. She just wants to tell me whatever she can to stop me so I don't risk getting hurt. It's not that she doesn't want us to succeed. It's just that she doesn't want us to fail. So for us to be able to move forward when we're dealing with the inner critic, we have to kind of accept her and go, okay, there's the nanny trying to freak out and freak me out and stop me from taking any chances. Stop me from doing anything where I could potentially be disappointed. And we almost need to tell the nanny, hey, it's okay. I'm safe. Even if things aren't perfect, I'm going to keep going. I got this. And kind of just make peace with her. And we don't have to give her a voice at the table. We can put her at the kitty table and we can keep on moving forward. But I love the idea of having empathy for our inner critics to go, you're doing this. You're telling me this just to make sure I don't get hurt. I'm going to tell you as the woman running the show, I got this. And a lot of times our inner critic is just repeating the language that unfortunately was spoken over us as children or as teenagers or in our formative years of life. Um, A lot of times the inner critic is formed by the critical things that our mothers said to us when we were growing up. And because as children, we don't have a filter to go, oh, my mother is just passing on unhealthy habits that she's learned through the generations. This is the only way she knows how to mother. And for some reason, she's trying to love me this way. We don't have the ability to do that. We hear criticism and we get hurt through the years and we just subconsciously accept it and we make it our own. And the inner critic just continually puts that same language back in our head. So just the idea of going, I see you, I understand what you're doing, but I'm not going to listen to you right now because I'm running the show. I think that's the key to quieting that voice. I've never, I think I've always pictured my inner critic as like, the cooler version of me, you know, (laughs) like she's like the cool girl at the cafeteria table. And she, she is like, she's not very fun. Uh, she's like, doesn't know how to laugh or let go or like, like she takes herself too seriously, but she's cool and she's really judgmental. And so I've always pictured her like that, but I mean, even that girl at the table is also terrified of rejection and terrified of failure. And, and it makes sense that our inner critics are too. And so like, if we're, I don't know, like up for a job promotion or, you know, we, we have like put ourselves forward for a job promotion. Like she's terrified that we're going to get rejected. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't want us to, to, she tells us all the reasons that we would never get chosen anyway. So we shouldn't try And the thing is, she is no more insightful than anyone else. She is always speaking from a place of fear because she's afraid 
of you getting hurt, of all of us getting hurt or making a mistake. She is the most scared voice that there will ever be in our lives. I, I really feel bad for her now. <laughs> it's it's a completely different way of thinking of it. It takes away all of her power in our lives. It really does. And the fact that she doesn't know better, like she doesn't she know better than us is really, mm-hmm. I think I always kind of assumed that she had better, I don't know, better taste than me or something like that, you know, or she had, she had higher standards. So if I listened to her, maybe I would, I don't know, like rise higher, but that's actually never, anytime I've listened to my inner critic, I feel like I've just ended up in a corner in a ball or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) The inner critic is great at one thing and that's convincing us to play small. (laughs) Poor girl. (laughs) I'm so sorry she feels that way, but we need to not listen to her anymore. Nope. We don't have to, we don't have to give her a voice. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. I also love talking about her. Like she's a person. It's just, it's easier, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that you have sort of on the flip side of this, I know that you have, uh, like a secret to confidence and I'm really yeah. intrigued to hear what it is and how this has helped you. Okay. So I always thought that courage, you know, and confidence was just something that you have, right? Like some people have curly hair or brown eyes or a third nipple or they're born with confidence or not. And like you either get it or you don't. Sorry. But what I've learned through the years is confidence is not something that we're born with. It is something that we build. Confidence is a skill, like a muscle that we build up. And the only way we build it up is taking action. And I think about it like this. When we first learn to ride a bike, we ride a tricycle and then we ride with training wheels. Then we're so good at training wheels. One falls off and we don't even notice. So we get brave. We take off the training wheels and we go for it. We're wobbling down the road. We're having a few wrecks. And sometimes the process takes months. Sometimes it takes years and tears and a lot of skin knees. But what happens And the end result is confidence. We suck it up. We take action. We practice. We manage our fear and we go for it. Even if we wobble or wreck a few times, that is the way confidence works. Confidence comes through taking a step. And I think about, you know, people in the Bible, imagine, imagine what would have happened. I think about the woman who reached out to touch the hem of Jesus's robe for healing. Imagine what would happen if she just hadn't have taken that one step. Confidence always comes from one beginning step. It can be from saying one prayer or doing one lap around the track or reading one chapter in the Bible, or here's a tough one, saying you're sorry to one person Mm -hmm. or making one sale in your business or writing one paragraph or sending one text. We sometimes think of what we want to do, getting from here to there and go, oh, I don't feel confident at that. I'm completely ill-equipped. Well, we probably are ill-equipped and that's fine. But once we start taking the small steps, confidence will come. Confidence comes when we take action and take small baby steps. That is the secret to confidence. There's no other way around it. You can be the most insecure, nervous, ill-equipped person. And if every day we go, okay, I'm just going to take one step and I'm going to baby step my way into my destiny before long, you're really, really confident because you've seen what you can do and you can see all the progress that you've made over time. Ali, I love that. I love that. I'm thinking of 
you know, I started my podcast about exactly three years ago mm-hmm. and my husband had been kind of bugging me about it for a while. He was like, stuff like podcasts are great and you're really loving them. And I feel like you could do this. And I feel like your community would really love this. And, and I just feel like this is a good fit for you. And I was so scared because I just, the technology intimidated me and like not being able to delete and rewrite what I wanted to say, you know, intimidated me. And like, I just had never done anything like this before. And the thing that got me over the edge was I ended up writing this phrase on a sticky note and sticking it on my microphone. And I said, it's okay to be a beginner. And I just really like, I find it finally clicked for me that anyone's podcast that I was listening to that was awesome at it, like they had a first episode also. And their yep. first episode was probably kind of bad. But then the second <laughs> one was a little better and the third one was a little better. But often we look at someone who's been doing something for three years or 30 years and we're like, I could never be like them. But we forget that like at one point they had, they were riding a tricycle also. Yeah. Yeah. Every time it's funny when I coach clients who are starting a podcast, I say, okay, I want you to record three episodes, and then I want you to throw them away because they're going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, your second three podcasts may be a little rough too, but you have those three under your belt. And I go, it, just expect it to be difficult. Expect it to be hard. Expect it. Expect yourself to feel uncomfortable because when we stop being surprised that things are hard and when we stop being surprised that we're uncomfortable, we can go, oh, discomfort isn't a signal that I'm not supposed to do this. Discomfort is a signal that I'm actually going in the right direction. Discomfort just means that I'm growing. Discomfort means that God's taking me from here to there. And we start welcoming, feeling a little bit insecure, a little bit uncomfortable, and, you know, a little bit a little bit unsure of ourselves because it's a natural part of it. I think sometimes when we start feeling uncomfortable in a situation and we just go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It seems too complicated. I'm not sure if I'm really meant to do this. We take that as like this grand sign from God that we're not supposed to be doing something. And at least in my life, if I'm not supposed to be doing something, God makes it really clear. You know, if he isn't always clear about what I should do, like you were saying earlier, but if there's something he doesn't want me to do, if I'm going down a road that he's like, no, this isn't right, he'll make it clear. He's not like a football coach hiding his mouth behind a folder of paper. Mm -hmm. he, He lets us know. And when we think that when we feel uncomfortable, it's God telling us, oh, you're not really meant for that because you don't have the skills. We take ourselves out of the game before we ever get to play. And like everyone is scared. Everyone is uncomfortable. There's no one who's ever done, like, if you watch TV and you're watching, yeah, you're watching um, this, like, star quarterback or you're watching uh, the Olympics or you're, you know, reading a book by your favorite author or whatever. I mean, whoever, whatever person you're watching do something great, they've probably been terrified the whole time, especially in that moment. Like, you don't walk into the biggest game of the season not scared. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. everyone's just scared all the time. That's the secret. Yeah, a hundred percent. This is book number four for me. I'm terrified. I feel like I feel like I'm walking into a crowded room naked so the whole world can leave anonymous reviews on Amazon. Like oh, here gosh. I am, world. It's terrifying. Yes. It's terrifying. But that's where growth is. Yeah. That's that's the magic of it. So a lot of it's just telling again, telling that inner critic or telling that voice inside of us is going, Oh, this is hard. This is uncomfortable. Maybe I shouldn't to go, no, this is just growth. Mm. Okay. So here's, here's a question for you. Okay. If we have a a goal in our lives, maybe it's big, maybe it's small. One of the things that we have to face is our own self-doubt. 
But like you said, in those six obstacles, sometimes the doubt we're facing is external. It's our family or it's a friend or it's, it's someone in our life that either has already said, I don't think you can do this. I don't think you should do this. Or we're afraid that they're going to say that. Like, how do we, how do we continue forward anyway? Yeah, it's been, I've had two different kinds of situations in my life. So there's been things that I've wanted to do and I've shared that vision with people and they've struck it down, but it was my vision. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like God said, you're going to go in this direction. Like he didn't have a problem with it. It's just, I knew I didn't have a God word on it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then there's other things that I felt like he wanted me to do that I knew he was in it. And if there's something where I know God is leading me in this situation, I don't care what anybody else says, that's where I'm going. But there's, I mean, I would say 95% of our life, God isn't saying, go this, go there, do this, do that. I wish it worked that way, but it just doesn't. Yeah. So I think what we need to do in those situations where we have a dream or we have a desire or we have an idea and people shoot it down, we want to filter it through the source. So we want to go, is this is this person that is speaking to me, are they naturally a a cheerleader and they love everything else, but just this one thing, they're a little bit like, ooh, I don't know. Are they a slow adopter? Do they just need to learn more information about it so then they can you know, wrap their brains around it? Or is this person just a naysayer? And whatever we do, they're going to have something wrong with it because their default in life is this isn't going to work. Their default is just kind of negative. So once we go, is this a cheerleader? Is this a slow adopter? Is this a naysayer? And filter it that way, it helps us filter the information. Because we want to make sure when we are getting feedback from other people or we're taking other people's opinion, we want to see really clearly how have their own life experiences played into them giving me feedback on my ideas or my life. Not all feedback or opinions are useful for us because the vast majority of them are informed by people's own experiences. I think that, you know, we know many counselors make for great success But I think many counselors is probably three or four mentors that are wise and have have a lot of wisdom about the exact topic that we have a dream about or a desire or an idea about. We don't want to, you know, you may have the idea that you want to, I don't know, have a dog grooming business, which would be awesome. But if someone, whether it's someone in your family or a friend goes, you know what, that's never going to work, but they're an accountant. Well, they don't know anything about entrepreneurship or the dog grooming business. So it's just that sort of thing. We always want to filter the information through who is the person that it's coming from? What experience do they have with this? Or is their advice or their opinion of it, is it filtered through hard times that they've been in in their life? That is something that really works for me. I really like that. And I think over time we can, we can, I don't know. That's something I I think about. I think sometimes I ask for too much feedback. Like I get too many voices. And then of course I feel totally paralyzed by them. (laughs) But I think I have gotten better over the years of knowing this is my, this is my pool to choose from. Like these are the people in my corner that I really trust, who I know love me, who I know are going to tell me the truth. But then for some of them, like, you know, if I have a really specific idea for something that happens like in my business or something like that, asking a friend who doesn't have any, like who's in a totally different field, 
sometimes their opinion isn't quite as helpful as someone who is in the field. And so I like that, like having, having some people that you trust, but then even, even all the people that you trust might not be the best people to ask about this particular thing because of something they've been through or because of their expertise or lack thereof in this area. Totally. And they're awesome people. I mean, my husband, every time I have a book cover or a title idea, I'll tell him you know, what we're working on. And he always gives me his opinion, but he never really likes it because he's a <laughs> dude. And I go, honey, that's fine. It's fine if you don't like this book cover because you're not the target market. So yes. we're good. Yes. You know, he's great. I love him. We've been married a long time, but he's not my target market. So his feedback on a book cover just isn't really relevant. That's that's amazing. I also just had that conversation with my husband. My husband's a, <laughs> right. uh, my husband is a designer, so that gets a little tricky because he knows mm. so much more than I do about graphic design. But also, he's not he's not my target market. He's not a uh-huh. woman, and so sometimes I like things, or we all like things that he thinks are silly. And well, yeah. in this case, we are right and you are wrong, my dear. Yeah, more power to you, honey. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you designed this other book cover. <laughs> So Ali, just for, I know that there are women who are sitting here and something is on their mind. Maybe it has to do with work. Maybe it has to do with going back to school. They're, they're wrestling with some sort of decision, some sort of dream. Do you have just a last piece of encouragement that you could share with them? Okay. I would like to encourage every woman listening to stop telling God what you can't do. Stop telling God why you aren't good enough. Stop telling God no through your actions, because we may never verbally say to God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I don't have enough resources. But that's what we do through our actions every single day. We have got to step up and step out and love big and let it all be messy and imperfect and trust God's goodness and His grace, even when life doesn't make sense. Because for us as this generation of women, if we keep telling God what we can't do, we aren't going to be able to partner with Him and do the kingdom work in this world that He is calling us to. And everybody listening right now has something inside of them that they have wanted to do or a dream that they're building right now, and they're questioning, is this of God? Is this something that I should do? And I'm going to say yes. And then pray and say, Lord, if this isn't something I should do, tell me, make it clear. Have have a plane, do sky riding, have, you know, the the best praying woman in the church call me on the phone, say, God said not to do it. Whatever it is, if you don't get a big no, go for it. Pray into it because it is easy and it is safe to play small. It feels good to use humility as a cover for disobedience. But I believe God is asking you and this generation of women to stand strong and to listen to that whisper inside of us that tells us that we're meant for more. And that more could be building a garden or, like I said, adopting a child or starting a business or writing a book. But whatever He calls you to do in your heart— even if you've never told anybody else about it, or you have been trying to do this for a few years and it's been tough so far, what He is calling you to do is kingdom work. And I just need you to stop telling God what you can't do. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, Allie, thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me and a new friend. You guys, isn't Allie amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? I just love her and I love her story. And there were so many times I was just bowled over by God's truth and his love as she talked. Game changing, right? Don't forget that if you ever want to find any links for any of the things we talk about in our Girls Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. 
just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Allie so you can pick up her new book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. We won't send you an email or anything. Just make sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you would take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week. 